Can learning transform your life? This is Impact Learning with Maria Zinedou, a podcast where you will hear personal stories about how we learn, work, and live in the connection economy. Together with her guests, she will teach you to design your learning journey and create the life you want. What did you want to be when you grow up? We have all been asked this question for a very long time. And we continue to ask our children the same question. In an online workshop, I heard students from all walks of life talk about how their work makes them feel. Perhaps it's time that we start asking our children better questions to give them a chance to figure things out before it's too late. What do you want to feel? when you grow up? What do you want to do to feel this way? And who do you want to work with? These may be better questions to start asking our children. Hey, it's Maria and you are listening to Impact Learning. I'm back on the mic alone today because I have questions for you. Are you happy with what you decided to study and the skills you learned? How did you make your decisions? And if you are in the middle of a big decision right now, what's on the top of your mind? For most of us, these are tough questions, I know. So let me go first. Looking back at my studies and my work, I would not wish to change anything. It might surprise you, but I'm content with the choices I've made and I feel very proud that I changed my mind a few times along the way. Today, I want to take you on a journey to share with you my story about how I decided what I wanted to study and the kind of work I wanted to do. I hope my story will trigger thoughts and reflections and help you move forward with your own decisions. I would love to hear from you about your choices and the forks in the road that brought you to where you are today. Send me your messages at impactlearningpodcast, all in one word, at gmail.com. So let's get started. The other day I was talking with a friend whose uh, daughter is starting preschool this year. And I remember the day that I cried, I cried a lot, when my mom told me that my twin sister and I were not accepted in preschool. It was a public preschool in a working class neighborhood and we did not make the cut. Our mom, who never graduated elementary school, taught us the Greek alphabet and how to count numbers And then she brought home a few books from the library. Listen to that. By the time we studied first grade, we knew more than any other kid in the class. And most importantly, we had been trained to study on our own without instruction. That gap year turned out to be the only homeschooling experience I've had, but one that shaped my learning journey for the rest of my life. So every time I think of the tears I had on my eyes that day, I also feel very grateful 
And if I learned anything, is that constraints can create frustration if we see them as barriers. Quite often though, they can lead us down a completely new path if we choose to embrace them and try to figure out a different way forward. During that year before I went to first grade, I started training my brain to learn fast. I was not trying to memorize a lot of content at that time, but I did want to read as many books as possible. After all, there were way too many books in the library. So reading books at an early age prepared me very well for the traditional educational system that I participated in. Like all other students, we were given instructions and we had to memorize a lot of content to pass the tests. I was able to do that very well because I wanted to learn new things and I was able to comprehend new information and memorize things very fast. At the beginning of my learning journey and throughout my education, I never studied alone. I have an identical twin sister. To give you an idea of what I'm talking about, consider two little girls who could talk to each other for hours. We were inseparable. We loved playing together and entertaining each other all the time. We were discussing about every little bit of information we were learning. We were sharing our thoughts and we were constantly debating our ideas. We had so much fun together. If one of us had a question or a different thought, she would share it with the other one immediately. Not only were we learning together, but we were also teaching each other. I also remember that growing up, I wanted both my twin sister and myself to do very well at school. We were looking after each other all the time. There was never competition between us. And that trained me to not compete with others during my childhood and my adult professional life. I continue to believe that I can do my best work when I help others learn what they don't know, so they can do their job better. Those of us who have a strong preference to learn, connect and collaborate with others have been accustomed to doing so early on in our childhood. We were not born connectors and collaborators, but we were trained to act this way. Learning and working together is not a preference, it's a lifestyle and we can all cultivate it intentionally and deliberately. The system we were raised in matters, but it is our specific circumstances that make a difference in how we like to learn, think and work with others. Being raised in the traditional education system, I could of course develop the preference to follow instructions, learn on my own, not share my ideas and be very competitive. 
but I was trained to read books on my own without instruction. I did not have to wait for the teacher to tell me what to study. I also started learning together with my twin sister. So it should come at no surprise that to this day, while I do enjoy reading books and learning on my own, I love discussing my ideas with others, the same way I did with my twin sister. And that helps me learn far more things and get many more ideas than I would on my own. At the same time, I want to help others be successful in their work. And the best way to do so is by sharing with them what I'm learning and explaining to them in simple ways what they may not understand. While I love studying every subject from math to history and literature in elementary school, It was during middle school that I discovered that I was mostly interested in science. I was fascinated by physics and chemistry because they helped me understand how the world functions the way it does. I think I also liked physics and chemistry because by learning the basic laws and equations, I could figure out the rest in my head and so I did not have to memorize as much information as I had to do with history as an example. But the main thing that attracted me the most to science was my love for solving problems. And these were different than math problems that felt more like tests. I started tutoring students as soon as I graduated from the first year in middle school. I wanted to make extra money so I could buy music records and movie tickets. I was tutoring other kids in the neighborhood on physics and chemistry. Since I had zero tolerance for laziness, I was helping kids who were willing to put the effort but they were experiencing difficulty learning. I had to break down each lesson to a few simple pieces and help them digest one piece at a time. We practice together. I always believe that we can learn anything by repetition and practice. The students felt comfortable asking questions that they would normally not ask in the classroom because they did not want others to know that they couldn't understand as fast. That was a big surprise for me. Asking all sorts of questions was how I was able to learn things fast from others. I felt good that I provided a safe environment for the other students to raise their questions. I continued tutoring throughout middle school, high school, university and my PhD. My tutoring journey lasts for almost 15 years and it paid for what I wanted to buy but also covered for my first flight ticket to the United States. However, the benefits were far beyond money. Tutoring students 
especially those who couldn't comprehend knowledge as fast as I could, helped me develop empathy. I shared their fears and discomfort with learning, and they helped me become a better tutor and a better teacher. The first fork in the road came when I had to submit the application for the public university. I enjoyed studying both physics and chemistry equally. It was very difficult to decide which one to study in depth at the university. I was literally split between the two up to the hour that I had to finalize my application. For those of you who may not be familiar with the university system in Greece, at least back then, based on my scores at the national wide exams, I would be selected for the one that my score was sufficient for. If I did well at the exams, I had very good chances to get accepted by my first choice school. So this first choice was very important. I made my decision. I put down the physics department of the University of Athens as my first choice. Next morning, my physics teacher came and talked to me. She was a teacher that I looked up to throughout high school. He looked into my eyes and told me, change your application to the chemistry department. You know you love chemistry and you will do very well in a company. And if you don't want to do that, you will anyway have better job opportunities as a chemist than as a physicist. I was not planning to join a company. All I wanted to do at this point was to learn what I enjoyed the most and teach students. Yes, I wanted to become a teacher like him and all the other wonderful teachers who inspired me. But I decided to trust him. He was a father figure for me, and I knew he wanted me to do well. So I followed my intuition. I changed my application. A few months later, I was accepted by the chemistry department of the University of Athens. I loved studying chemistry, but I will admit that completing all courses and labs and passing all the tests in four years was not for the faint of heart. When I was not doing labs, I was attending lectures or studying in the library. And during evenings and weekends, I continued to tutor high school students. So I had a very full schedule. But it was during the university that I realized that I did not have to be an A student anymore. Because to be one, I would have to miss the opportunity to spend time with other students from every part of Greece who had come to Athens for the studies. I am very happy with the choices I made. And I made very good friends. While I was one of the students who graduated in four years, I did not have a perfect score. It is also worth sharing that I attended all the elective courses because I wanted to learn about everything that was available to me, even though I did not have to pass the tests for all of them. 
During the third year of the university, I decided to pursue a PhD. I wanted to continue to learn more about topics that I was interested in. My score was not perfect, but I was accepted to a good grad school. While biology was very appealing to me, I chose to pursue my PhD in the polymer science group in the chemistry department. And I made the decision for several reasons. First, I wanted to make new materials, in this case, polymers. I was also very interested in material science because that was the best way to fulfill my love for physics, which I had missed a lot during the university. Last but not least, the professor who was heading the polymer science group had excellent connections with academia and industry around the world. I thought this would create more opportunities to collaborate with other researchers and learn from them. And so I started my PhD in polymer science at the University of Athens. To get funding for my PhD, I worked on a project sponsored by ExxonMobil that brought me to the US for the first time in 1997 as a summer intern at the Research and Engineering Department in New Jersey. I was responsible to set up a laboratory and transfer part of my research to them during that summer. While I continued to do my research and spend most of the time in the lab, I also started getting exposed to applied research. I could see how the novel materials I had designed and prepared in the lab were being used to modify the properties of commercial products such as films and oils. That was fascinating and I wanted to learn more about it. It was actually the first time that I felt that my research was useful to others who were trying to solve interesting problems for a long time. My first year led to the second one without much thought. And during this time, I was also learning how to function in a different system called Corporate America. Still, at that point, I wanted to become a professor, continue to do my research and teach students. My postdoc advisor at ExxonMobil suggested to apply for assistant professor positions at a few universities in the US. And so I did. I thought that even if I did not get an offer for an assistant professor, I could at least join as a researcher for a couple of years and work with world-class scientists. I was thrilled when I received an offer for an assistant professor position at the Penn State Department of Material Science and Engineering. That turned out to be the second fork in the road for me. Although that was a dream come true, something prompted me to give this decision a deeper consideration. I knew that I loved doing research and teaching students. But my experience at ExxonMobil for more than two years had exposed me to the beauty of solving real-life problems. Could I do the same at Penn State University? 
Perhaps I could, but not in the same direct way. I considered carefully the work I would be doing as an assistant professor versus a corporate scientist and how I would like to spend my time. Would I enjoy writing proposals to get research grants or would I rather solve interesting customer problems? That was the main reason that I decided to join a corporation and gave up on the childhood dream to become a professor. Let me say that I lost sleep over this decision. The status associated with being a full professor one day was much higher than being a corporate scientist. My family and friends in Greece were all expecting me to become a professor. These thoughts kept me up at night for several weeks until I decided to ignore the status quo and follow what I wanted to do, solve real-life customer problems and work with people around the world. It is easier to see it now that once again I allowed my intuition to guide me to choose a new way forward that I had not foreseen. And so, in the summer of 2001, I joined the adhesive division of National Starch and Chemical Company and became a corporate scientist. At the beginning of this episode, I said that I don't regret any of the decisions I've made so far. Now that I have shared with you how I made these decisions, especially the big ones, I want to bring everything together to help us identify how each of us can make better decisions more manageable. It is more likely to be content with our decisions when we choose to study a subject or learn a new skill that we are interested in. Something that will satisfy our curiosity to learn and that we will enjoy spending a significant amount of time on. For me, that was science, physics and chemistry, and I had to make a choice. The second thing we need to think about is what we want to do. This goes beyond the specific subject matter. It relates to the specific kind of work that is associated with doing what we want to do. While I enjoy doing research and learning new things, I ultimately wanted to solve real-life problems. I also wanted to work with people around the world. So I allowed this to guide my decisions more than my interest in research. The third thing is about where we want to work, the kind of environment that we feel more comfortable with and that we can relate to. Some prefer to study internationally, while others feel more comfortable at their local college or a smaller community. As you already know, I enjoyed learning how to adapt to a new system like Corporate America. That was new to me. 
but I felt comfortable and intrigued to figure this out. That might not be for everyone. So we each choose what works for us in terms of the environment that we want to work in. Next thing is about who we want to work with while we are studying, learning a new skill or doing our work. What gives us joy and satisfaction? For me, that was learning together with others, teaching others and cultivating human connections because that was the experience I had very early on in my childhood and I was very comfortable in this environment. I also enjoyed traveling, learning new cultures and going to new countries. Most of us consider all these things when we come to a fork in the road. What confuses us and often leads us to make decisions that we may regret later is that we allow external factors to influence us as well. And by external factors, I mean status quo, titles, promotions, money and power. These are all important and I'm not suggesting that we ignore them. But I do want to highlight that if we make our decisions mostly influenced by these external factors, we might not be very happy with our decisions down the road. Another thing that many of us are confused about is how much we rely on our passion. While I loved physics, I did not have my passion for physics written in stone. Eventually, I found my way back to physics through material science. I also wanted to become a teacher and later on a professor. While I changed my mind and decided to become a corporate scientist, I never gave up on teaching others. It has been and continues to be a very essential part of how I do my work. The structure may be different. I'm not teaching at a school or a university, but I continue to teach and mentor the people that I work with. Even before I realized it, I was relying a lot on my intuition to guide me to make the important decisions. Learning to trust my intuition has been far more important than anything else. Along with that came the responsibility to own my decisions. And I believe that this is the reason that I have no regrets about the choices I made throughout my life. I trusted myself and allowed my intuition to guide me. I did not know where each of my choices would lead me. But what I did know was that I could trust myself to figure it out, one way or another. I have also been open-minded and flexible every time I had to make a major decision. I was open to considering different options as they became available to me and I learned new things that I did not know before. As I acquired new knowledge and developed a unique experience, I was not afraid to change my mind. I let my curiosity lead me to learn new things and experience unique situations. And then I used all the resources available to me to make choices about what I wanted to learn, what I wanted to do, 
and the environment I wanted to be in, working with the people I aspire to. To make the best decisions at each point in time, we need to continue to learn and adapt to new situations as they evolve around us. We also need to trust ourselves and allow our intuition to guide us to where we want to go. Last but not least, we have to trust ourselves to adjust and create a new way forward. I hope you found this episode useful. If you enjoy listening to Impact Learning, I would appreciate if you would share it with your friends who are interested in the future of learning and work. You could also leave us a review on iTunes or your preferred podcast platform. A new episode of Impact Learning will be published every Thursday. Thanks for listening. And remember, we can talk about learning, we can design it, or we can do both. This is Impact Learning. I'm your host, Maria Zenidu. Till next time.